Hi, friends. Um, at, at 456, when I say hi, friends, there's one kid, he sits right in the front, um, and he always goes, hi, friend, like really, really excited. Um, it's my favorite thing in the world to hear him say hi back. Um, it is so good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, yeah, normally I'm next door at this point, so I don't get to see all of y'all's lovely faces, but um, I... I'm a pastor's kid. What Greg said is accurate. Um, my parents actually won't be here. At this current moment, my father is also preaching um, at a church in Indianapolis. And ironically, I found out my uncle is preaching at a church in Fort Wayne. So it's just the day for Harris's, I guess. I don't, don't know why. No one wants to do the week after Easter. But um, I do. I, I, love, I love King David. If you ask any 456 student, um, any 180 student, they will be able to tell you my two greatest loves, um, aside from like Jesus, that's like a given, but uh, are King David and oatmeal cream pies. I don't know why those are the two facts that they can pull from the brain, but it is every time and I'm not upset about it. But I was first introduced to King David in the spring of 2020. Uh, which is probably why I love him so much. I walked through the pandemic, the worst of it, um, learning and reading about David. And so I just like started to fall in love with him. You know, you start with this little shepherd boy who is from some backwater town in the middle of nowhere to a family that doesn't really matter to anybody. Um, And God uses him to do incredible things. He's got one of the Longest biographies in the entire Old Testament. So we know a lot about David. And the Bible does not hold back. It is the good, the bad, and the ugly. All of it. Um, And that is what I love about him. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. He's a normal person. um, But he loved God wholeheartedly. With everything that he had in him. All right, we know him as a man after God's own heart. So he went about the world like God did. He treated people like God would. And, and David just, he, he did the right thing a lot of the time. Um, and there are two stories, right? We often, when you think of David, you think of David and Goliath, which Greg uh, shared with us a couple weeks ago. Little tiny kid comes and beats this big old giant. Um, and that's a great victory for David. And then the other story you often think of is David and Bathsheba which is not his greatest victory. Um, It's actually one of his greatest defeats for a lot of people. And when this episode of David and Bathsheba happens in 2 Samuel, David is about 50 years old, um, and he's been ruling over the nation of Israel for about 20 years. Um, So all of the things he did, the, the hiding in caves, the running for his life, the playing the harp, all of that has been gone for decades it's behind him. He was a kid then, and he is a full-grown adult now. And David starts to get comfy. After 20 years of being king, right, like he didn't have to do a whole lot anymore, and he just starts to feel comfortable. And that is where David starts to go south, So we open up in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. This is what it says. In the springtime, when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. 
this is a big, big red flag. Like David, his whole job as king, right? In the springtime, kings, they go off to war. And where was David? At home. Just like chilling. You know, well, they can do it. I did that. I don't need to do it anymore. It's for the young people, right? I'm sure that's what David thought. He's gotten bored. He's comfortable where he's at. And so he stays at home in bed instead of going off to battle where he should be. And as the story goes on, David uh, is walking one night and sees this beautiful married woman taking a bath. And he has to have her. So he sends for her. He sleeps with her. And lo and behold, she gets pregnant. And in that moment of sin, that complete sin of adultery, David feels so distant from God. God feels really unreal to David in this one moment. And because of that, he makes decision after decision after decision that leads him further and further and further into sin. And he eventually ends up ordering the murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. So not only has he committed lust and adultery, he has now committed murder. And then he brings Bathsheba home, makes her his wife, all to cover up one moment of oops. David didn't own up to what he did in the moment. And because of that, his world became so guarded, so secretive. The man is guilt-ridden and miserable. And listen to how chapter 11 ends in verse 27. After the time was, of mourning was over, David had Bathsheba brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David did displeased the Lord. David's sin may have been hidden from everybody around him. The people in the palace may not have fully known, but let's be real. Palace people talk, so I'm sure there was some, some guessing as to where this woman came from. The people didn't know. His own attendants didn't know. And David thought, okay, I'm in the clear now. It's all good. I got away with it. I'll be okay. But God knew. And David knew that God probably knew. And David, he was a composer of Psalms. That's what he did. Most of the book of Psalms was written by David. And there's Psalm 32. A lot of scholars think that David wrote during this time after Bathsheba. Listen to what it says in verse one. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Though my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. David is experiencing true and utter guilt. It is messing with every part of his body. His bones, right? Wasting away. Because David willfully and knowingly disobeyed God. 
And as a result, his guilt was constant and oppressive. And David didn't just feel like this for a couple days or a couple weeks. People think he probably felt this way for nine to 11 months. Because between the ending of chapter 11 and the beginning of chapter 12, almost an entire year has gone by that David is sitting day in, day out. I am sure he is irritated, agitated, annoyed. I'm sure he is short with people because when you are not right with God, you sure as heck are not right with the people around you. David's not relaxing. He's not taking life easy, sitting back on the porch, sipping lemonade. He has sleepless nights, anxiety, a guilty conscience. Deep down, David is empty and hollow and joyless. And God is sitting there letting David feel it for a year. Because God knows David's heart. And he knows that this is eating him up. But he knows now's not the time to confront David. I need to wait. So we open up 2 Samuel chapter 12. And like I said, about 9 to 11 months have gone by at this point. And this is what it says. The Lord sent Nathan to David. So Nathan, he is the, uh, the prophet at the time. And I, how I explain it in 4, 5, 6 is God speaks to the prophet. The prophet speaks to the king. And the king speaks to the whole people. So Nathan and David are best friends. Because Nathan is his direct line to God. So they're close. Good buddies. And now God is sending Nathan to go and confront David about his sin. Think about Nathan's job for a second. He's sitting at home one night. And all of a sudden God comes to him and says, time to go to David. And he has to walk to David and tell this man, the most powerful man in the nation, who with one word can say, die, and he's gone. He has to walk up to him and tell him the one thing he has been refusing to tell himself for a year, that he messed up and that it's not okay. And you didn't just mess up once or twice, but you did three big oh no's. And then you lied about it for a year. And Nathan decides that the best way to confront David is with a story. So verse one of chapter 12, we hear the story. So it says, when it came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town. One rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up. With him, with his children, with his wife, everybody. Shared his food, drank from his cup, even slept in his arms. The lamb was like a daughter to him. 
Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler. Instead, he took the lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. So David, he's on the edge of his seat right now, just thinking, what is, where is this story going? David, if you only knew. (laughs) Because he's thinking like, here's Nathan just telling me, you know, this story about this thing that happened in the city today. And I'm supposed to decide what's supposed to happen to the person who stole from another man. And I can only imagine how what Nathan is thinking in the moment, but David gives him an answer. So this is what we read in verse five. David burned with anger against the man. And he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Now, David is in this unguarded and really vulnerable place right now. He is not right with himself because of all of the guilt he's feeling, right? That agitation, that anxiety, that feeling all the time is still within David. And because of that, David has just unknowingly sentenced himself to death. And Nathan is just sitting here. Like, let's just be in Nathan's shoes for a second. He is sitting here fully knowing what's going on. Knowing that David has just said what he said, knowing why he's there to talk to David, and he like keeps his composure this whole time. I've been really impressed with Nathan. But composure goes out the window real fast. This is what it says in verse seven. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. I am sure that David's jaw like hit the floor. Because David, he had no idea that anyone knew. No idea that anyone knew what he had done and then the thing he had done because he had done the thing and then the thing he did because he did the two things before that, right? He never expected anybody to confront him about it because he's King David. I can do no wrong. David is shocked, utterly shocked at what has just been brought before him. But Nathan's not done. There is so much more to be read. So verse seven, this is what it says. So what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king over Israel. This is God talking to David. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. Verse 11, this is what the Lord says. 
Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. He will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this before all Israel. Can you feel God's hurt? His disappointment? David was his guy. The one he had picked out of everybody. Because he had a heart after God. And now David is just done a screw you, God, I can do better. He's looking at David and God is like, I gave you everything. Everything that you could ever possibly want or need, I provided for you. But still you wanted more. Why wasn't I enough? Why did you have to go and take something that wasn't yours? Bring all this pain and this heartache to the people around you. Why wasn't I enough? Because you see, David didn't just hurt Bathsheba and Uriah. He hurt God. Because sin hurts God. Every time we do it. The little things, the big things, doesn't matter. It all hurts God the exact same way. Because when we sin, when David sinned, he turned his back on God's commandments. Abused the power that God had given him. And now God's just walking up to him and is like, why? Because it doesn't make any sense to anyone for anyone, you, me, your mother, your brother, your sister, the person that lives next to you, doesn't make any sense why any of us would want anything more than the everything that God's already given us. But David's response, right? He's just been confronted with this really big, bad thing that he did. And his response is the reason that we call him a man after God's heart. Listen to what it says in verse 13. And David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. I did it. You're right. I messed up. David immediately, genuinely repents of the way he messed up. Looks at the sin he did and he's like, yep, you're right. He doesn't wait. He doesn't argue. He doesn't attempt to like defend himself or offer some kind of like contrived confession to explain away or justify his actions. He simply says, yep, I messed up. And that's something a lot of us need to learn how to do better. I had a youth pastor um, in middle school who he was a father of two boys and I got like full, full okay to tell this story to the whole world, which is funny. And you'll understand why in a second. Um, but he had these two boys and when his youngest was in uh, diapers still toddling around, you know, he had this propensity to uh, use his diaper for its intended purpose and then pull out what was in his diaper and put it places around the house. It was 
boys, man, I don't understand them. Because <laughs> have you ever met a girl that pulled the poop out of her own diaper? Nope, it's always a boy. So <laughs> this was like a habit. This wasn't a one-time thing. It happened multiple times. And then mom and dad would find it places and would walk up to their son and be like, Co, what'd you do? And this toddler, racked with guilt, balls every time. And just goes, I didn't do the white thing. I didn't do the white thing. I went you down, I went mom down, I went God down. I just, I didn't do the white thing. And knowing, knowing my youth pastor, he probably had to like hold in all of the laughter because that's hilarious. Like your child poops, places it in random places around the house and then like guilts himself into like crying. But David's doing the same thing. He has been trying to hide his crap, right? For a year from his dad and he has just been caught. He's been confronted with this thing that he did that he shouldn't have done. And he looks at Nathan and he says, I didn't do the right thing. Like a kid to his dad. I just didn't do the right thing. He admits to what he did without hesitation or second guessing. And God's immediate response is forgiveness. Because that's who God is. He's a forgiving, loving God. And that immediate, I didn't do the right thing, is what makes David a man after God's own heart. Every time. It wasn't that he was perfect. It wasn't that he was spotless. It was that he relied on God for everything. Even in one of the biggest, most publicized oopses in all of human history, because there is no sin that is more talked about than David and Bathsheba's. In that moment, David admitted that he had messed up. He admitted that he had sinned against God and hurt him in the process. And we all know that feeling, right? We know what it feels like to be David in this moment because don't lie, you all sin all the time. It happens. I do it. But the thing we have to understand, the way to be a people of God is to own up to it right away. We all sin, we all hurt God. We mess up, we try to hide it, we try to move on. But the thing that will make you a person after God's own heart is to repent of the sin. I put it this way, you have to be willing to confess and repent quickly. Now, David waited a year, which probably was not the wise thing to do. But as soon as someone said, you messed up, he goes, yup. He looks at God and he says, I didn't do the right thing. Then he has to live with the consequences. So as the band comes up, um, I have two questions you guys need to ponder 
today, probably every day. What is it that you need to confess? What's the way you've messed up? You didn't do the right thing. Because we've all been there. We've all messed up. We've all not done the right thing. Good, bad, ugly, big, small, doesn't matter. It all hurts God. And the second question is, what does your heart look like? Because David's heart is what got him out of it. Because he understood God is loving and forgiving. And if I just confess now, wiped clean, I can move on. Live with the consequences, but move on. So what does your heart look like today? Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for this time that we could come together and look at your servant, David. He lived a big life, one that seems unattainable to a lot of people. But this one story really reminds us that he'd messed up just like the rest of us. But because you are loving and gracious, you will always forgive a heart that is ready to repent. Let us not forget that. Pray that as we leave this place and in the days and weeks and months and years to come, that we will never forget that though we mess up, you still love us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.